When you find yourself plunged into the deep end of personal pain, you may find yourself asking questions that you never thought would go through your mind before. And if that should happen to you, and perhaps even when that happens to you, I want you to know that some of the greatest men and women of faith who have ever lived have been there before you. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. We're continuing our series, Faith with Questions, dealing with the darkness of doubt. And Colin, today we're going to touch on a topic which I'm sure all of us have wrestled with, at least to some degree. That is, disappointed hopes. Yeah, as we've gone through the series and we've looked at different roots of doubt in people's experience, I'm sure there's many folks who have said, well, I don't really struggle with that. I don't, that's not really me. But today, all of us will know about this disappointed hopes, shattered dreams, mm-hmm. the kind of experiences that say, God, why did you allow that to happen? And so faith has questions, and we've got to know how to handle these questions, how to face them. Here's the encouragement that's coming in this message. In handling the disappointment of a shattered dream, a broken heart, you may be at the place where you are able to offer worship and service to Jesus Christ right now more than any other time or place in your life. And I don't want you to miss that opportunity. Well, this is an important message and one which all of us can identify with. So let's hear again from Pastor Colin. Well, I invite you to open your Bibles at Jeremiah chapter 20 as we come today to what I believe is really the most common source of all the varieties of doubt that we will consider. We've looked together at some doubts that have their root in the mind, and we've discovered that they're most effectively addressed by the discipline of study. We've seen that other doubts have their origin in the will, and that the really important thing there is to come to a clear and a decisive commitment to Jesus Christ. But there are other doubts that we're going to consider today that arise from the heart, and you can't resolve them by taking a class nor by making a commitment. I'm talking about the kind of doubts that come from disappointed hopes and shattered dreams the deep inner pain of a person who expected many things and yet found that their life turned out to be neither what they wanted nor what they had anticipated. And I spent some time earlier this week just reflecting on some of the disappointments in lives of people that I know well. It wasn't difficult to think of examples. If you think, for example, of the area of parenting, I have a friend who has three grown children, all of whom are married and they have their own families, doing very well in business and so forth, but none of them love the Lord. And I had a meal with him recently. He said, you know, as I get older, the question I ask of myself most often is, was I a good father? They're all successful, he said, of his children, but none of them has the one thing matters. I think about loneliness. I think of a man who longs to be married, but has just never met that special person. His deepest pain, he says, is that he wants to be known. I have many friends, he says, but I'm not the most important person in anybody's life. I heard this week about a colleague who lives in England. Uh, He has served as a pastor all of his life and lived on a modest income. He and his wife had a savings policy for their retirement, but the company holding the fund has collapsed. 
The result is that he will retire next year and the income will be one-tenth of the modest income that he had expected. If you think of other and even deeper areas of loss, I think about a couple who have longed for a child, rejoiced when others received that gift, but have felt great pain that it never happened for them. Another couple who had the gift of a child and then a child was taken from them in illness, tragedy. Think of others who have looked forward to retirement years as a couple together and then found that everything was changed as one was suddenly taken. Or think of a high school student who feels that she just does not fit. She's an outsider to the group at high school. She's become the constant target for the jibes and jokes and insults of other people. She feels foolish. She dreads walking through the halls. And every day at high school has become a nightmare for her. Or I think about a pastor who retired this year after 25 years of ministry in London. He said to me on one occasion, Colin, I would push a peanut across London with my nose if it would bring revival. And many good things have happened in his ministry in 25 years. But the revival that he has longed for has not come. Think about another friend whose wife suffers from a condition that means that their marriage will never be what either of them hoped that it would be. He does what he can, but the marriage has settled into a pattern that is deeply, deeply disappointing. And you could multiply examples. You could add your own situations in which people have been rolling down, as it were, the highway of life, and then there was a bend in the road and you found yourself in a completely unexpected and undesirable situation. When you find yourself plunged into the deep end of personal pain, you may find yourself asking questions that you never thought would go through your mind before. And if that should happen to you, and perhaps even when that happens to you, I want you to know that some of the greatest men and women of faith who have ever lived have been there before you. And that's why we're turning to Jeremiah and chapter 20 this morning. I want you to understand first the experience that gave rise to Jeremiah's deep personal pain. He had been called to be a prophet of God. It was an awesome calling, really, because a prophet was one who heard the word of God directly. God actually spoke almost as if it was a hotline, giving words that were immediately received, that then were to be spoken to others in the name of God himself. This is how God worked in the Old Testament period. Can you imagine what that would be like for God to say to you, I'm going to make you my mouthpiece to the nation. I'm going to tell you my exact words. I'm going to tell you what is going to happen in the next five years, and you will be the person that will enunciate what I will do. Can't imagine a greater privilege than that. But the problem for Jeremiah lay in the message, because he lived in the years immediately before the collapse of the city of Jerusalem. And the message that God gave him to announce, the reality that ensued within a few years that followed, was this extremely unpopular message of the fact that the time of judgment had come upon the whole nation. 
In fact, in Jeremiah in chapter 19, you'll find there at the beginning, if you just look back a chapter, that God tells Jeremiah to take a kind of tour of the local leaders, the uh, village board, if you like, the elders of the city. He's to take them out to a place called Ben-Himmon. It was a dump, a garbage tip, a landfill site with smoldering fires. It was a place of unmarked graves, of an awful stench, a hideous place, so bad that there was a Jewish tradition that the mouth of hell was in this valley. And God said to Jeremiah, I want you to take these leaders of the community, the elders of the town, out to this valley, and I want you to take a pot with you, a clay pot. And as you explain to them the words that I have given to you about what will happen to this city, I want you to take the pot and I want you to smash it in the valley. A bit of a dramatic sermon illustration, this, don't you think? You know, the, uh, what was the pastor on about this morning? Oh, well, he was smashing pots on the platform. Well, this is what Jeremiah did. You can read about it in chapter 19 and verse 10. See, God says, break the jar while those who go with you are watching, and say to them, this is what the Lord says, I will smash this nation and this city just as this potter's jar is smashed and cannot be repaired. Well, at this point, of course, Jeremiah must have been wishing that there was another prophet who had this particular calling. But he did what God said. And then he came back, chapter 19 and verse 14, into the temple area, and he began to tell the people, the larger crowds, what he had just told their leaders in the dump outside. Verse 15, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says, I am going to bring on the city and all the villages every disaster that I pronounced against them, because they were stiff-necked and they would not listen to my words. Well, of course, when Jeremiah began to say these things in the temple, It wasn't long before this was reported to the authorities. After all, you can't have this kind of negative talk in the temple, can you? My goodness, people come to church for a word of encouragement. They're not going to come back if they don't get something that they like. And so it's reported to the temple authorities. You know, we can't have this fellow saying this kind of thing at a time of national emergency. And so sure enough, at the beginning of chapter 20, a man by the name of Pasher, who seems to be in charge of temple security, has Jeremiah arrested, beaten, and then placed in stocks, his ankles manacled by the entrance, one of the gates that comes into the temple area. And so for the next 24 hours, Jeremiah goes through this painful experience in which being shackled by the gate of the temple, along no doubt with other subversive and undesirable characters who had been placed there, crowds of people would come through the gate and they would hurl their abuse at these individuals of whom Jeremiah was now one. Spit on him, throw rotten vegetables at him, a few eggs and whatever, and shower their insults on this person who was really the scum of the community. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and a message called Disappointed Hopes, part of the series Faith with Questions. If you ever miss one of our messages, you can always listen online. Go to our website, that's openthebible.org.uk. There you can stream any of the messages, or you can download an MP3 entirely free. You can also download the app, which you can find at your app store. Just search for Open the Bible. We're continuing with the book of Jeremiah, chapter 20, so here's 
Pastor Colin. Now, you have to admire Jeremiah. He was a man of immense courage. He knew that what he was being told was the word of God and that whether the people liked it or not, it was actually what was going to happen. He knew he was speaking the truth. And he spoke it with immense courage, even when it meant him enduring a beating and when it meant him sitting and enduring the insults of the people being thrown towards him. In all of that, he was like a man of extraordinary courage, like a concrete wall, like an iron pillar. But when it was all over and when he was released from the stocks, the trauma of the experience seemed to get to him. He went home, went into his bedroom, and somehow his whole emotional life seemed to collapse inwards. And that's when he wrote these words that we've read from Jeremiah in chapter 20. He pours out his complaint to God in a bitter grief that gives rise to a fountain of pain from the depth of his soul. Now, you may have noticed this. Sometimes when a great crisis comes, a person is very, very strong right through the crisis, but you come to the other side of it, and somehow there's a, an inner collapse, an emotional implosion, and all the pain and all the questions begin to surface, and it all comes out in the loneliness that follows. Look with me at Jeremiah's complaint in uh, chapter 20 and verse 8. Having gone through this experience, he tells God quite openly, I don't like this message. The word of the Lord, verse 8, has brought me insult and reproach all day long. Lord, if you had told me to give the people affirmation, you'd told me to preach 10 keys for a happy life, this would all be fine being a prophet. But you've told me to bring a message that is deeply unpopular and that the people will not receive. Have you ever felt like that about the gospel? But why have you given us a message that's about sin and involves an eternal separation and focuses on only one person who can make the difference between heaven and hell? Don't you realize, God, that If that's the message that I'm to proclaim, that it flies in the face of just about every fundamental value that this culture holds, I tell someone the gospel as best I can at work, and they say to me, you can't possibly believe that, do you? I don't like the message, Jeremiah says. What's more, I want to quit, verse 9. I will not mention him or speak any more in his name. Here's what I'll do, Lord. I've spoken your word for a while. I'll move out of public life now. I will give up the ministry. I will go into early retirement. But then when he thought about that, giving up his ministry, he realized he couldn't do that either because God had placed such a burden upon him that while he found it indescribably painful to give this message, he also found it impossible to withhold it. Verse 9, the word is like a fire in my heart, a fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Lord, this is ridiculous. I can't live with what you've called me to do. I can't live without what you've called me to do. You've put me in this situation. That's why he says, verse 7, O Lord, you've deceived me, and I was deceived. You overpowered me, and you prevailed. You've taken advantage of me. You called me to be a prophet. You've now put me in an impossible position. 
Not only that, I'm not achieving anything, Lord. You see, the biggest problem for Jeremiah was that people simply would not take him seriously. I mean, this man is trying to talk about eternal realities. And he's talking to a crowd of people who are really not that interested. In fact, verse 10, they make a bit of a joke of what he's trying to do. I hear people whispering terror on every side. Now, it's almost certain that that phrase hides a nickname in Hebrew that they gave to Jeremiah because he used the word terror a lot. And there's a word in Hebrew that's simply translated means terror all round or universal terror. And it seems that that's the nickname that they gave him. When they saw him in the stocks, they said, oh my goodness, there he is. <laughs> terror all round. I wonder what he's got to say to us today. felt like this with the small group you were given responsibility for, with the people you're trying to witness to? Lord, I'm getting absolutely nowhere. I pour everything that I have into this ministry that you've given to me, but the people you have trusted to me don't believe your word nor take it seriously. What you've called me to do is increasingly feeling like a complete and utter waste of time. Anyone who has gone into one of the mission fields of the world and seen the resistance of a community that is difficult to penetrate with the gospel will know this frustration. Lord, I long for a breakthrough with all my heart. And I can't describe the pain of the fact that 10, 20 years down the line, I have not yet seen it. I actually think the Beatles caught the flavor of this feeling of Jeremiah's in their song, Eleanor Rigby. Remember that one? Eleanor Rigby died in the church and was buried along with her name. Nobody came. Father Mackenzie, wiping the dirt from his hands as he walks from the grave, no one was saved. Ah, look at all the lonely people. Where do they all come from? Ah, look at all the lonely people. Where do they all belong? And the deep disappointment of his experience that he had not made a breakthrough in his ministry gives rise to these deep questions that are like waves that are pouring over his soul. And so finally comes verses 14 to 18 to say that he wished that he had never been born. Cursed be the day I was born, may the day my mother bore me not be blessed. So no point in singing, happy birthday, Jeremiah, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, dear Jeremiah, happy birthday to you. Because he would simply say to you, there's no such thing as a happy birthday for me. I wish I'd never been born. My birthday was a disaster. In fact, he says, verse 17, that he wishes that he had been aborted. It would have been better for me not to have lived if I was to know that life was as painful and as sorrowful as this. Verse 18, why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? And that is where the chapter ends. Now, of course, there is a glimpse of triumph in verses 11 to 13. Did you see that there? Sing to the Lord, give praise to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy from the hand of the wicked and so forth. 
And it would be kind of nice if that bit came at the end, wouldn't it? It would be a nicer ending. And there are some liberal commentators who say, well, you know, this part of the text must have been displaced. You know, perhaps some editor dropped it on the floor and put it in the wrong place and didn't realize that really you should have the happy bit at the end. Thank God this is the Word of God and it speaks to life as it is. And anyone who has been in the depth of sorrow knows that this battle is not a one-off fight. It is a recurring kind of a battle and experience. What happens is that you face some of these deep, deep questions. Then you feel you've come to a point where you've seen some light and you've gained some resolution. But then a few weeks later, you find that you're torturing through the whole thing again. That's how it was for Jeremiah. And anyone who's been into the darkness of this kind of valley knows that God is speaking precisely to what it's like today. I'm so grateful that the scriptures raise these issues, that they speak to us in the deep pains of disappointed hopes. I think there are many of us who appreciate that. Life isn't easy, and Jesus never said it would be. So how do we respond when we're disappointed, especially when we're disappointed with God? That's what we're looking at in our message today, called Disappointed Hopes part of the series Faith with Questions and if you ever miss one of the series you can always go to our website openthebible.org.uk and you can download it as an mp3 for free or listen to it online Open the Bible is supported by our listeners and if you are able to give a gift of £5 or more we would love to send you a copy of Pastor Colin's book Six Hours That Changed the World Colin, what are you hoping that readers will get from this book? Oh, well, I think the first thing is to see at a deeper level just how much God really loves you. I mean, the Bible makes this very, very clear. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's what this book is about. Six hours that changed the world are the six hours that Jesus suffered hanging on the cross, and it explains what he accomplished there for us. And you know, here's the problem. There are many people who believe that Jesus died and rose, but they don't really feel that God loves them. And maybe you can relate to that. You you know about the cross, you know that Jesus suffered and that he died, but it's not very obvious to you how this is love. I mean, how is this God really loving me? Well, I want you to see the love of Christ in the cross and to see that this love really is for you. For you to be able to say, no one has ever loved me like this, and no one ever will love me like this. Jesus loves me, and in the cross, I see the full extent of God's love. Pastor Colin's book, Six Hours That Changed the World, is our free gift to you if you're able to support the work of Open the Bible this month. For Pastor Colin and Open the Bible, I'm David Pick. We hope you'll be with us next time. This has been an Open the Bible, listener-supported production. God has given us a deeply unpopular message that people will not embrace. Find out which biblical character felt this way next time on Open the Bible. 
Today, I want to introduce you to a long-time listener of Open the Bible, Sue McLeish. Tell us, Sue, how you came across Open the Bible. Well, I was widowed a decade ago. found myself feeling very lost and empty. And one of my sons encouraged me to listen to some sermons online. And I came across Pastor Colin Smith. I found myself listening more and more as God used Colin's Bible teaching to awaken something within me in that difficult time. And I've followed and enjoyed and learnt from Colin's resources ever since. So, if you've yet to try Colin Smith's short daily devotionals starting on May the 1st, go to www.openthebible.org.uk.